You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. We're going to drink a fine whiskey and smoke a really fine cigar. It is time for Happy Hour. It's the Man Cave Happy Hour, Whiskey, Cigar, Spirits, the stories and puppies that go along with it. I'm Jamie Flanagan. I am Matt Fox. Hey, everybody. And it is a tasting hey, Tuesday with puppies. Hey, I would like puppies. to introduce you to oh my God, look at those. Louis oh my God. and Ella. Louis oh. Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald. That's Thank awesome. you, Pamela. You may take them now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Those are gorgeous. What kind of dogs are those, Michael? Multi-poos. Multi-poos. Okay. Multi-poos. They're almost two pounds each. All right. Those yes, are some... we got, we, we're, they're about, uh, they've been with us about two weeks now, week and a half. Good looking critters. Good looking, oh, good looking critters. No, she's okay too. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's another. <laughs> hey, hi, bye. Uh, but Tasting okay. Tuesday, Joe Lewis Bourbon. We are uh, Peter Guidi in the house. Um, hey, Peter's here. Looking good. For got sure. the sun streaming in. Got a glass in hand. Michael, Charles, everybody's, uh, everybody's. I got, I'm not poured yet, so I got to get myself in, in in order. But Michael, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, music today, right? You were, we were thinking about uh, diving into the music scene. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's uh, not just about uh, diving into it here, but um, so, you know, uh, Peter and I have discovered a lot of things. We've learned a lot of things about Joe Lewis and the and the marketing of uh, of, of bourbon uh, over the past year and change. And one of the things that really was kind of came out of left field is that there was a big band leader, jazz performer, DJ, African-American, very popular, played all the clubs, the Apollo. The, he was, you know, he was very, uh, he, he was Cotton Club, all those classic places. Uh, and in uh, 1951, we, I did a post earlier today. Let me actually just open up the screen here. Um Oh, hold on. No, I don't want to do that yet. Hold on. I like about Tuesdays with you guys. Is I always get a buzz on. Before uh, <laughs> That's one of my favorite things about Tuesday, too. So in, uh, in 1951, uh, this is an ad, a Lucky Millinder ad, uh, I Drink Shenley a Whiskey, which, by the way, still exists. It's a brand that was bought by Constellation oh. uh, Whiskey brand. It's a whole bunch of spirits. But, you know, what happened is that uh, he and Joe Lewis shared a lot of uh, interest. They both were from uh, Alabama. Um, I don't I don't really know what their I mean, Joe, we're going to have to ask Jojo what their direct co- um, uh, connection previously was. But he actually left. He quit, not quit, but he stopped performing in 1952 mm. to be the director of promotion for Joe Lewis Bourbon. Wow. OK. Right? I don't know yeah. if you can hear any of this. Yeah, I got it. I can't hear that. Do you hear it? Barely. No, I'm not catching not catching the audio. Wow. So you know, while Michael is- figures that out, you know, if you think about that period of time, you know, the big band clubs, um, you know, the Harlem Renaissance, the, the jazz clubs of Chicago, Detroit. Cleveland, you know, yep. Joe Lewis, Joe Lewis was the coolest black man on the planet. 
Okay, there was nobody cooler. And he was cruising around Detroit, a four-door, 1937 Pontiac, big old beast of an automobile, and hanging out at all the clubs, and Lucky Milman was playing. It must have been a wildly fun time. Yeah, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, so so he basically, uh, you, you know, he literally did get off the road and stop performing uh, for a year. Uh, until 1953 and he was the head of promotion and he's credited with really driving a lot of the sales uh, back in, in, in 1952. You know, he was still being himself but he really was focused on promoting the bourbon more than, than anything. And he created excitement that drove sales. So the tee up here is that we're bringing in Joe Granston who is a big band leader. He's going to be joining us this evening. Uh, and the question is, can he beat Lucky? <laughs> can he help us sell more Joe Lewis? Well, can, can can we bring back this? Can, can we can we help you a role, bring, um, play a role in bringing back this unbelievable piece of Americana, this wonderful American music? I mean, this is American music at its very core. This this is the root of the Rolling Stones, man. I mean, this is where this is where it really all began. Rock and roll's heritage sits in these bands. And, um, you know, it's uh, uh, we've listened to a whole bunch of um, African-American bands from that period of time recently. We've had friends, uh, a friend of mine sent me a clip that actually mentions Joe Lewis whiskey in it. Uh, it it's, a, it's a marvelously rich moment in American history. And uh, Joe Lewis was a big piece of that puzzle. But the music endures in a, in a way that... Most of us don't even understand how much our own our own musical heritage sits inside of this piece. It, it, it is kind of interesting. You think we'd learn a lesson? Um... records right wow so that's uh oh hey and, and speak of the devil the devil appears there he is <laughs> joe granston's muted and with us um he's uh he's gonna tell us uh get get the jazz perspective on things but uh, what i was gonna say there is like you know you think we'd learn our lesson right the harlem renaissance was uh uh you know a big turning point in america and 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 a, a, a African Americans getting getting a voice uh, and being heard and, and and being seen as artists uh, and being appreciated as as artists and poets and writers uh, and, and and you know trying to get their voice out for the things that that were happening much like think a lot of things that are going on on now but part of that and you said how it led to the Rolling Stones and how it led to rock and roll because it was the hipsters and the zoot suiters and these marginalized you know disenfranchised people uh and the dance and the dance went from the big band swing uh to that to the rock and roll it 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 just it it really led itself into it and uh you know just the wingtips and the zoot suits uh and that whole culture visually interesting to us now but back then it was a, a badge of a badge of honor uh and actually could get you beat up and in in, <laughs> in troubled or jailed uh just for wearing that type of clothing uh and listening to that that type of music uh hey joe welcome 
<laughs> hey, now people are wearing flip flops on an airplane. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I really love the I love How you guys stuff. doing? We're doing well. Good, good. I just got out of the pool. I jumped right out of the pool to come down here and hang out. Aww, good for you. Well, thank you. And you guessed you probably missed the thing we did at the beginning of this, which was talking about Lucky Milner and how much uh, of a role he played in getting Joe Lewis bourbon on the shelves. And the last section was, can Joe Granston beat Lucky? <laughs> 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 a little challenge for you. That's a tall order. That's a t- I'll do my best. Right. I, I bet I can. I bet I can drink more Joe Lewis than he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, you're alive to do that. Um, so, no, I, I I'm, thank you, Joe, for coming back. And I, you know, we were talking about Lucky, and and obviously, it it, it was one of the reasons that we felt there was such a natural um, potential uh, partnership here. And I wanted to kind of um, you know chat a little bit about some of the things that we're working on that are still not gelled. Uh, but, um, you know, when you were on this show a couple of weeks ago, um, we were just making the announcement that we were going to be forging a relationship with you, with the Joe Grants and Big Band. Right. And so how's, have, have people been, um, we haven't done a lot of promotion on that, but have you been getting some good feedback? I have been getting some good feedback. I've been telling a lot of people and, and, uh, and just kind of feeling people out, you know, uh, just about connections like that and with, with, uh, the, COVID-19, hopefully, you know, the stay at home thing coming to an end, getting back out and, and, and representing a product has been, been really exciting for a lot of our fans. You know, I haven't, I haven't put it out there on Facebook that much, except for the one or two things we did. But when I talked to my friends who are all bourbon drinkers and, and uh, some of our fans, we did a couple, we did a live, nice live stream concert not too long ago. And I spoke to a lot of the people involved in that show and they were very excited about it. So I think we have a good chance to sell a lot of bourbon for uh Joe Lewis and the, the Joe Lewis family and the brand. And, and uh, I'm excited to do my best for it. Well, and I know you will. I, I just wanted to make sure that we close the loop because when you were here last time, we were talking about you doing the first of what we hope now in our planning for to be a series of live stream, uh, big band events that you did. And that was a fundraiser for uh, cafe 290 here in Atlanta. How, how did that, I, I watched it, but uh, how, how did that feel and how did that go behind the scenes? It felt good. It, it was um, it was one of the n- most nervous uh, experiences I've ever had. The only time I was more nervous was a few years ago. I got to play at the White House for the um, National Tree Lighting um, Ceremony, That's and so that was pretty nervous. That, yeah. Oh man, it, it was fun, but it was nerve wracking. There's 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 uh, machine guns everywhere. There's uh, TV cameras everywhere. There's thousands of people in the crowd watching, and then you know it's it's going out over the airways live. So. Uh, and it's 30 degrees out. So I was very nervous that day. I got through it, but I didn't think I'd be nervous for the live stream we did for Cafe 290. But we teamed up with a company called the Big Green Egg and and they have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. So I was cool until about two minutes before we went on. And then I started realizing <laughs> this is a live stream and anything I say, anything I play, anything I do could potentially be going all over the world. And it just got in my head a little bit. Um, but I, I calmed down once that, once the music started, I felt more comfortable and, and I was, I was, uh, kind of back in my element, but we raised a lot of money for that club and people came through, fans came through and, and, and donated, uh, Kenny G watched. I thought that was kind of cool. Kenny G was watching. He really enjoyed it. He, he, he gave a nice donation. Oh, there's some of it right there. Yeah, right on. 
Yeah, I was looking for the actual show, and it's not on Cafe 90s page anymore. But um, it's on, it, but is, so, it is on the Big Green Egg page. It's on the Big Green Egg page. We'll go there because we want to give them a little shout out too. Because uh, we're working on putting together, uh, uh, working with them on these shows with you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. And what better combination than barbecue and bourbon? Right? <laughs> He's speaking my language, right? That is exciting. <laughs> I'm done. Good night, everybody. <laughs> well, one of the reasons I wanted to jump on tonight, you know, was to, to say hi to Joe and Charles, for sure, but also to, to talk a little bit about Lucky Milner and the, and the whole Harlem Renaissance time. You know, we're, we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of uh, the, the, the what they would call the Tulsa Wall Street massacres that occurred in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, um, and so that period of time in, in black American history was a, a real time of renaissance mm-hmm. and was a real time of excitement. And, and the black community was really moving forward aggressively. And Joe Lewis and Lucky Milner really represented uh, a large part of what was happening in places like Harlem, Chicago, Detroit, Tulsa, as, as many black American communities were coming out of you know, post-reconstruction and were building successful societies. Um, and it was, a, it was a real golden moment in time. And that part of the history, that part of the history is really in the music itself. And, and what I wanted to, to announce is that we're going to be moving forward with a new product. You guys haven't heard of it yet. It's called Brown Bomber Bourbon. And mm. Brown Bomber Bourbon is going to be a maple-infused bourbon that's got the same color as Myers Rum. It'll have a sweetness to it. Uh, it's actually quite nice over, over rocks, by the way. Yes, um, we've, but, we've, we've tested it. Yeah. And, but the, <laughs> I, the thing that's key to understand is when you think about the way the bottle will look, the bottle will look the way the music sounds. Okay, that's, mm. that's what we're after because, you know, Joe Lewis was a gigantic cultural figure. He wasn't just a boxer. He wasn't just a civil rights guy. He was an, the, an enormous cultural figure. And when he showed up on the scene, whether it was New York or whether it was Chicago or whether it was Detroit, it was a big deal. And when a guy like Lucky Mildner, who was at the top of the industry, joined up, you had two very cool guys who held a lot of power and sway in their communities out there trying to get something done. And and I think it's in that spirit that I really, really am excited to see this music come alive and and to connect it to the brand. I, I just uh, To me, it's one of the most exciting. I mean, I love the boxing connection. You know, I love the cause marketing. I love the sports marketing. It's really, really important to what we're trying to accomplish, our mission. The idea that we could be a part of bringing some of this music back on the scene and energizing the life that brought it that brought it out is just, you know, another big surprise in this brand for us, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, to go back, you know, Lucky Lucky was actually the, the really the first ambassador, if I could, of Joe Lewis Bourbon. Yes. And, you know, you know, when we talk to ambassadors today, you know, they 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 love the brand and what have you. And but Lucky kind of took it to that next level from what I from from what I understand, what I see. So he may you know, he may have been the first brand ambassador for and anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, certainly the first African American. <laughs> yeah, that is great. Absolutely great. So really fantastic stuff. And Joe, I can't wait to hear you play some of that music, man. <laughs> well, That's I'm excited. Right. I, I think that um, 
I have a guy in my band named Wes Funderburg, and he writes all our arrangements. And I think what we'll do is we'll find some of those uh, those hits that that Lucky had, and, and maybe we can rearrange them for our band and, and and try some of them. You know? Yeah, why not? It man? might be fun. It might be fun. I mean, and, and how about and, something like you this? Know, <laughs> the tobacco chew is uh it's a fun it's a fun one. When it comes down, oh there it is. Spit doom sound. Ding 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 to the back, to the back, to the back rag. I think that's going to lend itself well to You know, he wasn't the, the one who wrote that song and that's that's been done that's been done by a bunch of people over time but there are there are a lot of people who think Lucky Milgo's rendition of that is the greatest of all of them. Yeah. And and so really kind of an interesting tune. But to me what I like is when I look into those pitches and I look at the people's faces, what I see is people who are happy, people are having fun. People who are successful, and and to me, you know, to me, that's the the most outstanding part of it all is that 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 broader context that all this was happening in, and something that I, I really hope we can, you know, attach the brand to and, and to help. I mean, I don't think a lot of Americans really understand that period of time. And when you look at everything that's happening today, um, I mean, today was a momentous day with, you know, Mr. Floyd's, you know. Uh, doing funeral services and what a, you know, unbelievable set of circumstances in American history. And, and we, you know, there has been so much good in the past and we really need to push that out there too. Mm-hmm. That, 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 I agree. That chew tobacco song though. I just, I love that call and answer part of it. Uh, and like, it just seems like you would be able to get your band just jumping, <laughs> jumping in the crowd, jumping uh, with that one. Uh, decidedly. Well, you know, the, um, that, that song, uh, and the way they were playing it, uh, they were they were so right in the pocket, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's it's that music back then in that era, it was dance music, and um, yeah. later on, jazz and and swing, it became more of a listener's uh, type of music with Miles Davis and guys improvising long long solos. But back then, it was dance music. That's what it that's what it was meant to do and make people happy and keep people moving on the dance floor. So even though that song. Uh, had a little slide whistle and had a couple little corny things in it. They were right in the pocket and that was really swinging. So, you know, you could, you, you could tell that he had an amazing band. Yeah. And uh, there's a number of, uh, we haven't found any pictures by the way yet of him with Joe Lewis bourbon, but you know, he's got that song that that I pulled from the, uh, the open, a whiskey, whiskey wash, you know, so he's got a bunch of songs about things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that that that's cool when they line up with with uh, an artist and they and the artist or somebody in the guy's band writes a song. Guy or gal's band. Uh, we we wrote a song. We wrote a little spot for Big Green Egg, um, and uh, we just did a, a quick run through of it. And we wrote an arrangement. And, and now they have it on the, their wall of fame at the headquarters. Hmm. They have uh, 
guitars and, and instruments from different people that have written for them and they put ours up there too so we'll do a recording of that and and uh and hopefully we can come up with something really sweet for for joe lewis bourbon you know well we're counting on that i want to hear it i want to hear it i want to hear it so um michael i had sent you an email with a photograph in it i do believe i yeah, don't know if you got go that right now while i'm or not but charles had uh had found a, a, an image in uh it was actually you put it in one of your books right what do you what what was that illustrating what uh what did you what, where'd you come across that image um yeah it's been such, such a long time i forgot where i actually got the image mm-hmm. um I went, there was thousands of pictures. My books are heavily illustrated. So there's, there's a lot of photos. So, um, but I just thought it was, it was cool from wherever I got it from. It was, it actually mentioned that it was in 1935 and that, um, it was at the plantation club with Joe Lewis. And he was, and he was like, you know, like that's actually saying a little caption. I don't know if you see it on the screen there, but like, and especially like night, like wherever, basically wherever Joe Lewis appeared at, like it was an event, like it immediately turned, like whatever, just kind of. I mean, whatever, whatever was going on. If Joe Lewis showed up at that place, it was the hottest spot to be at. Like he was like, I mean, he was like total cultural like icon. And so, like you can you can kind of see it. Like in this case, like just to give you an example, in 1936, in 1936, um, uh, he was in he was in Cleveland for opening day for for a baseball game, and. And they literally drew, dragged him out of the crowd to throw out the opening pitch. Like it was like all of a sudden it was like the coolest thing. And then, um, and then, so yeah, they, uh, I mean, like I say, you see him in this picture, he's leading a band. So you can just imagine he went to this club, plantation club. And um, well, what, are the, what are the chances it was Lucky Milner's band? I was, you know, that's a great question, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he just, yeah, he, you know, he just, you know, you can imagine he's at, you know, at the plantation club and, you know, they're like, hey, Joe, lead the band, you know, and he's up there. You can see he's smiling, having a good time. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I just like, I love that photo because it really kind of captures a, a, just a, a, a small moment in time. But you can, you know, picture say a thousand words. And yeah, very cool. That. I just, you can see how he's, uh, you know, in it. It's just like a young, smiling baby face on him right there. That that image was, was great. He's just, he's so young and he looked like he was just having a riot. Uh, yeah. And you just, can see it in that one moment, that like snapshot yeah. of time, and you can you can almost you can hear the music playing like while he's up there. Yeah. So I, it says October fourth, nineteen thirty-five. So uh, you got a good lead on uh, you know possibly if you can dig into the the records of the plantation and who was yeah. you know in uh, in, uh, uh, in residence uh, or or booked in at, at in in that time frame uh, you might be able to pin it down it could be you never know it could be I believe there actually is a book there actually is a book um by uh, it's a, it's a book about with the plantation club like there's like somebody that put a book together about it. I think it's one of those Arcadia publishing books that you see like the second on covers I believe yeah. there's a, a plantation club book um that uh, maybe that's a good place to start for looking. Yeah, might be able to pin that down. Yeah, I like it. So, Joe, you're 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 hugging your tromb your trombone, your trumpet there. <laughs> oh my god, I've had three sips. <laughs> my dad was a band director. He's like rolling. I was wondering, head. James, is that like metaphors or what? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think it is. Uh, Joe, you're hugging the trumpet there, though. That looks like uh, is that your regular uh, is that your regular trumpet? That's my that's my horn, man. This is the 
the horn I've been playing for a while now. I see I actually had this in high school, this exact instrument. And uh, I dug it out recently during the stay at home time and, and um, cleaned it up. And I've been playing it for a while. I really like it. Right on. It's got a nice tone to it. How many, how many oh, different that trumpet that you, uh, that you found when um, you met your first, that, that band teacher that kind of changed your whole mantra around uh, uh, itself. That is not this particular trumpet. No, 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 no. But uh, yeah, but I do have that one too. I got trumpets everywhere, man. I, yeah, I, I, I would imagine. I turned them into lamps and, and, and uh, you know, <laughs> my wife's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's a, there's a nice horn. Oh, <laughs> uh, love it. But this is, this horn's nice. It's got a nice, uh, I'll play a little for you. It's got a nice bluesy sound to it. You want to hear it? Oh, yeah, I'll stop it. this. No, it's okay. I'll stop this. You, yeah. I'd rather hear it live. Kind of, kind of, kind of almost sounds like a voice, you know? Well, that's quite a song to choose. That's what? A great song to choose. <laughs> well, I'm just making up a little bluesy something. That's all. Hey, do you want to um, do you want to take a little look at uh, Joe Grant's and Sizzle Reel? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Here it comes. Damn. Very short Sizzle Reel. You missed yeah, it exactly. <laughs> Hang on, I gotta hit the share button first, then it'll work. Oh, okay. ads, yay. And I've made up my mind just to live in memories of all the lonesome times. What do you say? Blue Note, we're playing tonight. We got the 16 piece big band. It's a sold out first set and sold out second set. We're very excited about it. The guys are ready. We're ready to swing. He dreams of yesterday. All right, it may not be the sizzle reel, but good. Always wanted to play at the Blue Note. It's just a history. All the all the greats played here, play here currently, still play here. I mean, it's you know, it's the Blue Note. It's the pinnacle of the jazz clubs in the world, and uh, I think every jazz musician dreams of being at the Blue Note and and playing a gig here. We're gonna get drums up front on number one forty-five. Freddie Hubbard, Miles Davis, they've all, they've all played on, on this stage, so it's, uh, it's exciting. It's going to be a little nerve-wracking at first till we get a little warmed up to it, but you know, when you're, when you're in, in the presence of these greats that were on this stage before you, it's, uh, it's a heavy load to carry, so we're excited. We 
easily have one of the greatest trombone sections in the country playing. Hey, there it is. So, so Joe, is there uh that's awesome. We're going to skip. Is there any uh is there any place you haven't played yet that's kind of on a bucket list of I I would really love to play this venue? Yeah, there's a few. I I, would, I wouldn't mind playing Carnegie Hall someday. Ah. <laughs> that would be a that would be a, a a bucket list, you know, for sure, but that's that's you know, that's what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, the, the blue note was certainly a bucket list thing when I got to play there and we've done it. I think we've done it five times, possibly four or five times. Nice. I've been there yeah, twice with you. Yeah. You were there twice with us for sure. You know, um, what's the, what's the club in, uh, real famous jazz club in Europe. See, now I'm drawing a blank, but, um, Chet Baker did a live record there. Uh, it'll come to me while we're talking, but yeah, yeah. I would say, I would say Carnegie hall for sure. That's my, that's my dream. Here's here's okay. Joe actually playing at the Blue Note. How many piece band do you have there, Joe? Seventeen. Seventeen dollars. Okay. Okay. We are ready. Are you ready? Okay. Just live. Okay, now we want to hear you. Here we go. I hear music when I look at you A beautiful theme of every trick I ever knew Down deep in my heart I hear it play I feel it start Let melt away Yes, I hear music when I touch your hand A beautiful melody from some enchanted land Down deep in my heart I hear it say Is this the day? Oh, nice. All right, how cool is that? Very cool. That was fun. So I was in the audience for that one, and I can tell you it was it was pretty awesome. Uh, and uh, I look forward to sharing, uh, 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 introducing Josh. Not sharing, but I guess it is sharing. I feel like I kind of I want to have you all to myself. But no, uh, no uh, but really exposing more people to to the music. And you know, this is another tie back to the Joe Lewis legacy. We're talking about inspiring a generation, a new generation of champions to be good citizens through boxing. Well, you know, a, a Joe is every day and his band, most of the guys in the band and the gals of the band, they, they're educate, music educators, a lot of them. And it's about really keeping this sound alive, this cultural legacy. Uh, and uh, it's really, the, it's, it's just, it's so, so great to have everything connecting, all the dots connecting. It also represents, uh, you know, this music represents freedom at the highest level, you know, from uh, just from just, I mean, basic freedom to improvise, freedom, freedom to express yourself. Uh, at the same time, you got to work together as a team. And, and uh, it, it's like a family. There's a, there's 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 good times and there's bad times. But when you're a jazz musician and um, the freedom that you experience as a musician and as an artist is unparalleled. If you're a classical musician, sometimes you're 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 stuck with the music that's in front of you and, and you have the freedom to phrase it the way you'd like. And you have the freedom to put your musical touch on there, but the notes are already written down on the page for you. Well, in a big band like mine, there are notes written down on the page and we do have to play those notes, but there's also big, long open sections where musicians in the band get to improvise and get to, and get to show their stuff and really, 
really pull the uh, emotions out of their out of their body and get them through the horn. So so for us, it's it's the greatest job in the world. You know, we I would never have chosen anything so, else. To do. So Joe, when do you, when do you get back out on the road? What do you mean? What's your uh, what are the venues saying? I mean, you know, when can we when can we have people sitting next to each other instead of six feet apart? I mean, what's the deal on that? I don't know. I don't I don't have a um a very uh, positive outlook on that. I think it's going to be a minute before we're all sitting right next to each other. I mean, some of the clubs we play at, um, not all of them, but some of them are very small. And if you fill the room up, maybe there's a hundred people in there shoulder to shoulder. Right. And the energy and the intensity is so fantastic that you just absolutely love it. Uh, I think it's going to be a while for those venues, you know, um, some of the bigger concert halls that we might place the performing arts centers that, that, that can hold a couple thousand people. Maybe they can, maybe they can, uh, every other seat, have somebody soon you know but I, I don't know what the what the restrictions are and when when that's all going to open up i do know i played the other night at a small club in atlanta and uh and there was enthusiastic people there and they enjoyed themselves but the bar itself there was a, there was a person and then there was like three bar stools before they could seat the next person and and so they okay they can only get about eight people at the bar and they have a table of four and then they'd have two tables empty and then a table of four and then tables empty with signs on them don't sit here so it was it was nice to get out, but it was a little bit depressing. But but myself and, and all of us musicians, as depressing as it is, we realize that it's it's you know it's for safety. And obviously, it, when the time is right, we'll be back doing it again. But we certainly don't want anybody to get sick coming out to hear us. You know, I think there's another uh, uh, option here, and that is the the drive-in concert venue. I believe this is this is true. I believe that there's going to be a huge resurgence of the old concept of drive-in movie theaters, but for performance venues, because if you're in your car and now with all of, we all have our smartphones and our, our and our Bluetooth technology, the idea of getting good, great audio yeah, <laughs> in your yeah. own vehicle to hear it, uh, you know, tune in is, is pretty cool. So I'm going to put it out there. If anyone wants to develop some a large parcel of real estate, well, I think I, that Joe would be like in, in, you know, some, some uh, young lady dancing with a high high energy. That that sounds a lot like a lot more fun. Than, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's interesting. You, you talked about bars and and capacity, and and in Michigan, um, bars can operate, but they can only operate at fifty percent capacity. Um, so they they can, but they they, they cut the, the capacity to 50% of what it was. Uh, and here's the trick. Here's the trouble. Um, I was listening to John Tapper. He's that bar rescue guy. Uh, and he was on another whiskey podcast, uh, the Whiskey Cast. And uh, he was talking. And it's like a, a bar, a restaurant, a bar that that is a, 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 the main purpose is it's bar. Um, and they have some food. They make all of their money, 70% uh, of their money for the week in 16 hours. Right, so seventy percent of the revenue for the week happens in a, in a sixteen hour window, and if you cut the you, your patrons in half for that 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 sixteen hours, um, you're not you're 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 not making it, you know, and and so and it's not That's, it's not like you're like oh well you know come at noon you know I mean only me teacher after in the summer is going to be at the bar drinking at noon every day but uh, most people aren't going to be able to do that so if they still have that 16 hour window to to make their revenue 
Uh, it, it's it's quite the challenge. And then part I mean, of it, I think that's the universal challenge for every restaurant, every bar. How can you? It's not sustainable to say we're going to open with all have have even if they have slightly lower staffing counts. Yeah, their operating expenses are still the operating expenses, and, Food, and if labor, you're only serving fifty yeah. percent. It's a, the, I don't know. We 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 drift in. We drift too far away from the music, you know. And, and <laughs> oh, sorry, um, sorry. You know, that's the the, the the object of this podcast is to be happy, like the music. Yeah, I'm just my question mark because I want to see people drinking Joe Louis bourbon and having yeah. fun in, in bars and and listening to bands. I mean, that was that was you know my twenties was just. Uh, you know, following bands around the local Detroit music scene, uh, right. just loving it. And I just, I, I just, I love all kinds of music and, and I, I, I want to see that exist. Uh, and, and I'm so happy that Joe is going to be repping the, repping the Joe. In the late, Joe and in, Joe. late in the, in the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties, I had a buddy who had a recording studio in Boston mm. And this was right when the Boston rock scene was really, really r- ripping it up. And uh, we would not even show up there until one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it, it, didn't yeah. even get, it didn't even get going until a little yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's like Smalls in New York City. But, you know, Joe Lewis to come back, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe this will be a nice comeback from, from the stay at home and, and uh, we'll all come out. It'll be. Just awesome. Yeah, and, and maybe and maybe also maybe also you know the music can serve to help bring more people back together again. You know, maybe maybe you know maybe hearkening back to a period of time where people wanted to dance when they heard music, and and you know there was a real commonality around. There still is, I guess, really in a lot of places. And but I, I think we've got an opportunity to tap into some great American music that hasn't been heard for a while, and I think people will dig it if they hear it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Joe, where can where can people hear you? Because like terrestrial radio, I mean, there's not a whole lot of you know your 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 big band and your jazz in those stations are sometimes relegated to weekends or on the AM dial. Uh, it, it in in a, in a lot of the markets. Um, you know, it's the pop and the country and the the urban and the rock that 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 take up the radio dial. Alexa uh, and news and talk. Play Joe Granston. So that's the thing. That's uh, it's it's of of like Spotify, Pandora. Um, are are those how important are those to you know jazz musicians today? These digital platforms. How how important are they to you? And how are you leveraging it? Well, they they are important to me, and, and I'm 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 lucky to be on Spotify. Um, I have two Pandora channels that are that are that get a lot of um, uh, airplay. I don't really receive any any money back. Um, so Those that, micro that pennies, they're collecting them in a vault so that they can <laughs> yeah. send them micro, to you micro in a pennies? little envelope. <laughs> <laughs> micro? Do you call them micro pennies? Yeah, oh, I, love pennies, so. I love that. I love that. But that's 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 kind of cool because I, I do get emails and texts from and Facebook notes from people all around the country that that that, that maybe I, I knew it in fourth grade or fifth grade and they'll say oh I just heard you on Pandora I just heard you on Spotify you're on Sirius some airplay on uh, on Sirius XM radio has been on Sirius Sinatra they play you much yeah 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 so that's really nice exposure but and then locally in Atlanta I get played quite a bit on the jazz stations here but other than that it's 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 tricky you know it's tricky oh, for you know jazz what? we should say we should tell people about that because you know now anyone can listen to any terrestrial radio station online and here in Atlanta 
uh, on uh, Saturday nights. It's really Friday nights too. It's blues, but Saturday nights jazz classics. Is it at, at 10 or 11? On I think it's 10. 10. WABE 90.1 FM, the NPR station. Uh-huh. Guy H. Johnson, uh-huh. who, by the way, is a huge supporter of, of, of Joe's as well. Um, well, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear a, you know, a couple of Joe Granson or big band tracks usually on a Saturday night there. That's, that's been for 40 years on the radio. He's been on the radio 40 years and, and, uh, you know, his, his counterpart, Lois Reitzes has a show, uh, Monday through Friday at 11 AM called, uh, what's the name of her show? Oh gosh. City something. City lights, uh, city lights. And she's a fantastic radio host. And she just, um, about two weeks ago, they switched over all their introduction music to my music. Oh. So when you, when you every every day on her show, they're playing a song I wrote called "The First Time," and it's really really been great for me. The the, the response from the public is fantastic. So the, and she opens her show with it, and she closes her show with it, and she says something nice about me every time. She's been fantastic. She has tons and, of. And are you getting those micro pennies? You getting uh, micro pennies? Nickels, micro nickels, micro nickels. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Take it. You're <laughs> than a hay penny, but you're good. You're good. <laughs> oh, that's great. I like that because the life of a musician today is is different than it was, you know, fifteen, you know, twenty, thirty, you know, fifty years ago. Uh, it's a different gig, right? I mean, you can't uh, get the get the guys in a bus in a van and, and go around and grind grind it out uh, in the clubs because they're they're fewer and further between. Uh, so how do you get mm-hmm. the music? How do you get the music out there? You know, and it's uh, so these digital platforms I think are, are pretty amazing. The digital platforms are great, man. They they do get the music out there. There there really isn't any touring for a band that's my size, unless you're Count Basie's band. They still go out on the road. You know, I think Michael Bublé brings it. It takes a big band out with him. Probably Harry Connick Jr. does. But but guys guys um, like myself don't really have that opportunity. We may we may fly out to to a city and play one show and come back. So it is very, very difficult. Um, and there's really no more CD sales going on. So at mm. the end of your show, you're not standing back there making a couple grand selling CDs like we might have done back in the day, you know? So T-shirts that's, that's maybe, pretty but much not gone. CDs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Say what? T-shirts maybe, but not not CDs. Right? Yeah, yeah, T-shirts. We're still selling <laughs> hats. Yeah. The guys oh, no, I, I, I think back to that period of time where I took all of my albums and I put them on tape. If I'd known now what I know, if I known them what I know now, I think I'd have just hung myself. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's pretty brutal. So now you have to decide as a musician, you have to make a decision. If if you don't have a big record label behind you, you have to decide if you're going to record. Uh, right. For me to record my big band, it, it costs thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and and I'm not going to sell any CDs. Um, and I'm not going to get any money from the, the spins or whatever you want to call it on Spotify or Pandora. So I have to record. I have to keep my name in the loop. But mm-hmm. back in the day, we might have made some of our money, if not all of our money back, you know, by selling CDs. So now you got to make these these recordings and you got to find a way to to uh, recoup your, your costs. And it's very difficult. Hmm. And, and it's even more difficult when you can't lure them to buy tickets to the next live show, which is generally what... You've been successful at doing. You packed. You packed places. I mean, I, I go to this to Cafe Tonight. I haven't gone obviously in two months, three months. But mm-hmm. and how, what does that fill? Hold two hundred and fifty people, maybe. It's 200? it's a little over two hundred, and we've been there eleven years now. 
Yeah, and it's generally sold out. I mean, there might be a couple of nights like on a holiday Monday mm-hmm. where there's some empty seats, but it's it's generally sold out on a Monday night. Well, people love people love this style of music, and 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 they're gonna love this bourbon too. I I, I know that that crowd at Cafe Ninety are gonna go nuts when they when they see the Joe Lewis bottle in my hand, and and they can buy it at the bar, and we can do some 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 promotion that way. That that's that kind of crowd, you know. They're they're they, they, they love the brown liquor. They love the bourbon. Uh, the guys in the band. It's just it just seems like a really really cool fit for for this style of music and and this this comeback that's about to happen. Very cool. Nice hat. <laughs> you like it? Yeah, I know where you can get one. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Joe, you just came out. You just dropped an album not too long ago. Am I correct in that? Uh, it's it's probably been a year. Year, a little over a year. It's, it's, that's it's still, called that's go still get recent em. enough. Yeah, go get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 How, many, how many albums do you have out there right now with your you and your band and your band right now? Well, I have 16, 16 CDs, out, sixteen albums out under my own name. Now with the big band, I think I have I think out of those sixteen, six or seven of them are with the big band. Oh, yeah. A couple wow. Christmas records, you know, with the big band, and then um, but sixteen all together. I've been recording since uh, I was in my early twenties. So I think my first record was nineteen ninety seven. 1996 or something like that. Were you 12? Um, is that when that came out? Is that, uh, no, that man. I'm, I was born in 71, so I'm, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting there. I'm, getting I'm right there. behind you, buddy. You're, you're good. <laughs> I got you all beat. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so Peter, uh, you had teased us earlier talking about the brown, bo- brown bomber bourbon coming out, and you said it's going to have a, a, a maple. Um, well, how's that? How's yeah, that happening? Right, because bourbon, maple, maple infused bourbon, maple yeah. infused. All right, because bourbon can't be flavored in any way to be called a, a bourbon, correct? Well, that's right. And so you have to take a bourbon and then you have to maple infuse it. Okay. Yeah, it must be bourbon. It must be bourbon first. Sure. And then you maple infuse it second. Um, and so it is maple infused bourbon. Um, it's not. And and, in the, and this it's 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 all. Um, locally farmed or sourced uh, honey, uh, honey, maple, that literally the distiller goes up and brings, uh, you know, his uh, plastic totes on his trailer and goes and buys all the, you know, all the maple that uh, at harvest season that he can get. You know what it reminds me of, though, a lot when I drink, when I drink the maple bourbon over ice, it kind of reminds me of drinking a black Russian. That's kind of what I taste. Very similar, very similar taste to a, a, a black Russian. It's got that sweet liquory taste, um, but it's still got kind of has that bite to it. Right to, to me, to me, when I put those t- two next to each other, it's like, wow, that's really, really, really similar. And, oh, I know I'm going to like it. Yeah. And <laughs> and so very tasty stuff. I, I, I definitely see it, you know, afternoon drink outside at a, you know, at a, at a barbecue. Great, you know, great summertime drink um well, i but, think it's a great winter drink yeah well i like it we all year yeah. round drink let's just call it a great drink because we drink <laughs> all the time right yeah i mean that's why i come to this podcast so i start drinking a little before five <laughs> <laughs> no idea what you're talking about peter zero idea zero so idea. all right so, so that- yeah it's, it's pretty exciting but yeah and i love the drink itself i love the whiskey itself but i'm you know, I'm completely enamored with what we're doing with the, the package and with you know the music and you know trying to create an entire connection there between the music and the product and the period and and you know we spent so much time developing Joe Lewis the boxer right you know and it's just a switch gears now 
you know, and into Joe Lewis, the social icon, you know, and mm-hmm. and music was really a, a big part of that. Obviously, Lucky Milner jumping on board. Where was Joe hanging out on a Friday night with the band? Mm-hmm. You know, he was with the band, right? And and I don't know, I I was I grew up in a beach community, and you know, I was a lifeguard in town, and that that we we thought we were pretty important people. But you know, where we hung out after hours with the band. With the band, everybody wants to hang with the band, right? We love that. Right. <laughs> you know, like, Michael's always come. Michael's always running in the green room. <laughs> I usually am. Hey, how you doing? He's like, I'm, no, I'm it's good. Not, I'm it's, good. Not, it's not necessarily <laughs> a question of uh, when it's uh, or if it's a question of when things open back up, and you know, we, we need you have to start laying laying your bricks now. So when when we're ready to rock, you, you have your plan of action. And you're ready to go. So. You know, for for you, Peter, I know you know everything that you're going through right now. Um, you're, you're to have that business plan, and you're rocking it. Thank you for what you do, and same thing with you, Joe. Um, you know, you guys, you work hard, and you know you're you have a passion for what you do, and I cannot thank you enough for having the man cave a part of what you guys do. So you. you know, and we're it's just going to continue to get better because honestly, we all started at ground zero, and we're just going to grow from there. So really, really appreciate what you guys do. Well, well thank you. Yeah, we're we're appreciating that support. This is uh, we did not intend for this to be more than a one night event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was supposed to be a single podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we're, a, we're a in Detroit down the road. And I here really we hope we're bringing. I really hope we're bringing some pleasure to the people who get a chance to watch it. We, you know, it's. It, it, I don't know if people realize how much work it really takes to put these things together. You guys, Jamie and Matt, putting all this together week in and week out, and the rest of the things we do during the week. It's not easy, but, you know, we're really broadcasting some content that, you know, I hope as time goes on, people look back at these events and say, wow, look at the seeds we watched get planted. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope it's helping the, the, the rollout here in Michigan. I hope we've been a, been a part of well, the, we should the positive tell you message that, on that. Um, we, any updates on our numbers? For, yes. Uh, in fact, actually, I should tell go you. go to the tote board. I missed an email. I mean, I missed a, a message from Jeff from uh, uh, who wanted to get, join us live with an update. But um, 670 retail locations. Peter, was that the last count? Yes, it is. One, three. I'm not going to call you a liar for two or three accounts. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It was 673, 672. But, uh, but, yeah. So, I mean, I added another 70 retail locations in the past so so well and, uh, and by the way we can say now that we're going to oklahoma next you know we're going to be in tulsa <laughs> tulsa oklahoma will be the next spot we meet and um and so where michael's michael's going to begin his magic up in uh, in oklahoma and so um kind of an odd spot to go next but it is where we're going yeah and, and so we uh, should we can also foreshadow some of the other markets the timelines aren't solid yet but well, yeah, yeah. We're shooting after New England. We're, we're really, for all practical purposes, ready to get going in, in New England. As you guys probably know where, you know, getting into these states is reasonably complicated from a regulatory and licensing perspective. Um, and um, and so we're, you know, busy, you know, dotting I's, crossing T's, and then finding out on page 42 there's a few I's and T's you missed. <laughs> and, and so we're digging our way through all that, and hopefully we'll be, uh, we'll be in Maine and New Hampshire, perhaps Massachusetts shortly, and then uh, and right after those phases, it'll be down into uh, Florida, uh, Georgia, and probably Ohio. And, and so we're doing what we can. We're doing what we can to, you know, manage. You know, it's it's difficult when you think about it. I mean, everything's shut down, and nobody really, everybody's really just, 
uh, trying to protect the root, you know, and, and finding, finding ways to get them to think about what's next is a little bit difficult right now. You can't mm-hmm. get on planes. You can't go to bars. You can't go listen to Joe, for God's sakes, unless you're six feet away from something. Right. I mean, my goodness. I don't even know what that means. Fortunately, you can go to the liquor store. <laughs> well, yeah, and, yeah. And, so, and you can also order it online. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, it's yeah. we're, we're doing what we can do, and you know, from, from this perspective. But, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. We're doing the best job we can and having a good time doing it. At least trying to. Yeah. All right. So, Joe, um, people just kind of shout into their smart speaker and say, hey, play me some Joe Granson. And, and hopefully it'll find it for them. Uh, where else can people find you, uh, websites and what have you? Um, my web, thank you. My website is joegranson.com, J-O-E-G-R-A-N-S-D-E-N. And uh, uh, that, that, you go to that website and you can kind of link to a lot of different places to, to hear the music. But, of course, I have a Facebook page and, and um, Instagram page and Twitter and all that stuff that we all do. So I'm out there. I'm out there for sure. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm representing myself these days, which is, which is really um, fantastic. I really have been enjoying that. So I'll, I'll continue to try and get the music out there as much as I can and, and, and uh, keep people swinging. Yeah. You know, and, and Joe, as you rearrange history musically and what have you, there's, you know, Charles, who is a historian um, within the sports area. You know, Charles, where can folks find you uh, on online and such? Uh, my primary website is, uh, I mean, my, my main thing is, is, uh, w, is uh, DetroitCityOfChampions.com. That's my main thing. Fantastic. I've, I've got a lot of like, Facebook stuff and stuff like that, but the, but the website's the main thing. Uh, yeah. So, and how many books in total are there, Charles? Oh, uh, I have three. Okay. And uh, I've got a bunch. I've got a lot of. I've got a lot of stuff. Like the books are like my main anchor. Like I said, I do like the books. The books are sort of like my the bit. You know, like at this point, business end of what I do. Yeah. And I've got. I've got a lot of stuff. I do like a lot of baseball research. It's just like all unpublished. Like I've got crazy. I've got a screenplay for the movie, which is like. You know, that's not something you don't even, it took me a year to write that. It's just, you know, that's like, that's more of like, you know, that's something I'm trying to get turned into a movie type, you know, so I've got, I've got quite a few things, but the, the main, the main um, business component, you know, the thing you can actually acquire is the books. All right. Yeah. com, yep. And uh, we're going to dive, Charles and I are going to dive through that whole Detroit story. Uh, and lay those out in a in an independent podcast just called Detroit City of Champions, and just just really dive deep into the individual players and the individual stories and the owners and uh, everything that that and and and, the, and, the, and the, all the politics around it and everything that that came together to create that uh, 1935 year. Because uh, what what's one of the Charles? What's one of the odd championships? Because there was like over 30 different world championships won in Detroit in 35. What's one of the off ball ones? Well, the one I, the one I, uh, the one I, uh, the one I like to, I mean, I mentioned all the most, the oddest is the, is the world che- uh, checkers champion. From- <laughs> okay. Um, but one, but one of the ones that I don't, but another odd one, that's, that's like one that's like really, I mean, I, I, I mentioned that all the time. The did we win the spelling bee that year? Did we, did we take the spelling bee that year? Uh, that I don't, uh, I, I mean, that I don't know. That's to get back to you on that. Right, right. Yeah. We did, but we did it, but it was funny. It's funny that you mentioned it like that because there's an article at the end of the book that I used that um the guy was that the writer was talking about because it was like literally thirty three championships. I go through and I and I and I chronicle every single one, um in the, especially in the third book. And it's funny because a, a newspaper writer put out an article saying 
um, that, you know, we, we've got people inundating us with all these bizarre, you know, like greatest rubber band shooting champion, you know, like all these things <laughs> they're trying to add to the list. So they can get like, you know, get on this, you know, get, get in on this thing. So they get invited to the, to the party at the end of the year and all this stuff. So, but he goes through and he actually lists. I forgot which ones off the top of my head, but they're crazy. He's got a whole list of them. Like he, he like mentions <laughs> the people's names, but he's like, yeah, this one's couldn't make the cut. It was just too, you know, it wasn't really, you know, <laughs> we couldn't verify the fact that he actually was the rubber band swinging <laughs> champion. You know? like, like there is, there, the sense of humor in the newspapers back then was just really, um, I really think that you could actually do an entire course on 1930s journalism to yeah. show. Oh, yeah. Uh, how, why those papers? Those papers were were sensational, and for yeah. stuff like that, where the humor they had in those kind of moments. Yeah. So, but it was the Stanley Cup. It was the the baseball World Series. It was the football championship. Basket, basket, yeah, basketball was basketball a thing then? It it kind of was. It, it kind of was. Um, I don't. To my knowledge, there was no professional basketball. Okay. To my knowledge. Um, but uh, but there was college basketball, but it was it was totally different than it. It was really it was really a, almost a different sport than it is today. Sure, yeah, yeah, because yeah, I've, I, that's something I'm always meant to ask you because you mentioned the uh, the big dogs, the football, the bat, the baseball, the the the, the hockey, uh, and it's like basketball had never come up, and I'm like, was basketball even a thing, or was that one yeah, that, that no, we missed out on? Really. So it wasn't a thing. No, okay. it was yeah, that was more of like the '50s is when the professional basketball really started to kind of take off, but um. Right on. But uh, yeah, it, it, there's but what, one of my one of the coolest ones one of the one of the coolest ones that kind of illustrates like how how dominant this season was is that um is that the is that the Red Wings is that the, the so the Red Wings won their championship in Toronto and they made like they they partied that night of course and then they made all haste to get back to Detroit for the next morning or for the for the next night because they act, the Red Wings actually came back to Detroit and watched their minor league team that is called the Detroit Olympics. And they won their championship the day after the Red Wings won there. So there was two professional hockey championships in Detroit that year, um, the minor and the major league, that within a day of each other. I mean, that's just, you know I mean? Like, you just can't, I mean, every, like, literally everything won. And, yeah. um, and like, the, in the, the, my, the cool thing, I have, like, one of the greatest photos you'll ever see. Like, that, you know, we'll definitely put that up on our show. Because um, I've got a photo. It's one of like the first photos I bought, and it's got and it's got a celebration banquet for the Red Wings and for their minor league team, the Olympics. And they're all at the same. They're all at the same table, and they have like the trophies on the on the table. They have ice sculptures of the trophies. They have all their jerseys on the wall behind them. I mean, it's got this huge room of people, and um, you can actually spot some of like some Lions players in the crowd. But the, but the, what's so great about the photo is. Is everybody in this huge banquet room? Everyone is turned towards like the camera. They're all like turned looking behind them. You know, of course, all the dinner, the people at the table are looking forward, but everybody else looks. So it's like, well, isn't, doesn't that what isn't that what everyone does now? Yeah, when it's a selfie. Yeah, but it's just but the the, <laughs> the photo is just so big. Like you just can't see that they got everybody in it. Yeah. And this is and everybody at the exact same moment is looking at the camera. You know, it's just like the it's just such a cool photo. Uh, They're all like like the major and minor league team are, are both there for that. You know, for that that, that yeah. dinner. I don't know so. why I'm thinking The Shining right now, but right, that, right. that's just me. <laughs> so there you go, Detroit City of Champions, uh, the books, that and DetroitCityofChampions.com, dot com, and that podcast is coming soon because Charles just has so many of these stories, and we're going to break them all down uh, and we share them. We're on schedule to do it right before the Toronto game. We were like we were like two days away from starting it. I know. 
and then it got, I mean, I was like, literally, like, it was like, it was down to the minute of whether we were going to do it or not. And then it just, I mean, it was all, uh, we got we're back in the studio next week. So we got to talk about cracking that open. JoeLewisBourbon.com, JoeLewisBourbon on Facebook. Right, there's uh, a great information on there, and when the Brown Bomber is coming out, I'm sure that's going to be the first place where it's going to crack, <laughs> as it were. ManCaveHappyHour.com and all the socials, it's the same thing. Uh, guys, it's uh, another hour's flown by. I appreciate it. Fellas, thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Always fun. Always fun, guys. Thank you, Amen. Joe. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Charles. Cheers. Thank you, Matt. My thank pleasure. you, Jamie. You know, not to bring down the party, but I, I – if I may, just in closing, just share the post that we have up today on uh, on Joe Lewis's uh, Facebook page. Yep, thank mm. you. Kind of uh, poignant. Few Americans, black or white, have contributed to the nation's social development quite like Joe Lewis until today. George Big Floyd had big plans for life nearly 30 years ago. His death in police custody is powering a movement against police brutality and racial injustice. Like Joe Lewis, Big Floyd's impact on American society will resonate well beyond his time on Earth. Amen. Cheers. Thank Cheers you, to George, for sure. Amen. All right, you guys. Well, buddy, everybody. Have a we great will. week. Yep. Thanks for having me. Yep, we'll see you again. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care.